Hello there, and welcome to Byzantium and the Crusades. My name is Nick Holmes, and this is a podcast series that looks at the Crusades from the Byzantine angle. Who were the Byzantines? Well, they're a bit of a forgotten empire, but they've always fascinated me because they were, in fact, the last remains of the Roman Empire that survived well into the Middle Ages. And I think you can't really understand why the Crusades happened unless you know what happened to Byzantium in the 11th century when it went from superpower to super weak. I think it's an amazing story and one that is very seldom told in the history books. So what we're looking at right at the moment is the Battle of Manzikert in 1071 when the Byzantines were defeated by the Seljuk Turks. I think that battle was a real game changer and it was actually the key reason why the Crusades happened. In the last podcast, we've been looking in some detail at the background to the battle. Last episode, we looked at the extraordinary rise of the Seljuk Turks, who by the 1050s were the new kids on the block in the Middle East. They were Asian steppe nomads who converted to Islam in the 11th century and really transformed the Islamic world. They were basically extremely formidable light cavalry archers, very similar to the Huns who created such problems for the Romans back in the 4th and 5th centuries. By the late 1040s, the first Seljuks appeared on the far eastern border of the Byzantine Empire, which controlled Armenia. The next two decades would see a battle for control of Armenia between the Byzantines and Seljuks that was pretty central to how events would unfold for the rest of the 11th century. To begin with, at least, the Byzantine forces in Armenia put up a remarkably effective resistance against the Seljuks led by a very capable Byzantine general. And like last time, I'm going to read extracts from my book called The Byzantine World War, which was published last year in 2019. So let's go. Hope you enjoy it. It was in 1048 that the Seljuk Turks made their first significant attack on Byzantine Armenia. A large force of Turkmen led by one of Tukril's emirs, Azan, appeared in Vaspurakan in eastern Armenia. The attack could not have happened at a worse time for the Byzantines since the Emperor Constantine IX Monomachus, pursuing a policy of fiscal austerity, had disbanded the regular army in the Armenian theme. However, for the Byzantines, Armenia should have made a good buffer state with the Seljuks. Its mountainous countryside was difficult terrain for invading armies, and it had several strongly fortified cities in the form of Ani, Kars and Mansikert. Its population also had a robust military tradition and provided particularly good foot soldiers for the Byzantine armies. But the Byzantines failed to take advantage of these opportunities. The main reason was mutual antipathy. Armenia had a long history of independence, having only fallen under Byzantine control at the beginning of the 11th century in Basil II's reign, and its nobility were lukewarm at best in accepting Byzantine authority. There were also serious religious tensions. Although Christian, the Armenian church had never recognised Constantinople's authority and many Byzantines regarded them as heretics. In spite of all of this, initially at least, the Byzantines put up a remarkably effective resistance against the Seljuks. This was essentially due to the efforts of one man, Catacolon 
Kekemenos, a highly experienced soldier in the regular army who had fought against the Arabs in Sicily and the Rus along the Danube. He was given the governorship of Ani in the 1040s. In 1048, hearing of the Seljuk advance, he hastily put together a scratch force of Varangian and Frankish mercenaries together with what Byzantine troops he could find. This small force defeated the invading Seljuk army by tricking the Turks into thinking the Byzantine camp had been left unguarded. As they plundered it, he attacked them and sent them fleeing in panic. But the next year, in 1049, the Turks attacked again, this time with a larger warband led by a Seljuk prince, Ibrahim Inal. This time, things didn't go quite as well for the Byzantines. Katakolon couldn't prevent them from sacking the important Armenian city of Artse. However, he managed to ambush them as they retreated, and although the battle was indecisive, the Turks withdrew from Armenia in the knowledge that although the Byzantine army was quite weak, Katakolon was a soldier to be reckoned with. This robust Byzantine defence continued when Tugrul himself led an army into Armenia to besiege Mansikert in 1054. The city held out under the leadership of another good Byzantine commander, this time an Armenian called Basileus Apokarpes. Byzantine morale was surprisingly high, with the record of a daring SAS-style raid by a Frankish mercenary on the largest of the Turkish catapults that was causing damage to the city walls. Quote, The Frank galloped out of the city gates straight towards the catapult and threw a pot of Greek fire onto the fabrics that protected the wooden machine from Byzantine archers. The siege machine was engulfed in flame. End of quote. The Frank escaped unharmed back into the city. In the face of such determined resistance, Tugrul had to concede defeat. Byzantine-Seljuk relations, however, actually improved when Tugrul took Baghdad in 1055 and became more preoccupied with the Fatimid opposition he faced in Syria. In the same year, Tugrul made a formal peace treaty with the Byzantine Emperor Constantine IX, who recognised him as Sultan instead of the Fatimid Sultan, with prayers commemorating him at the mosque in Constantinople. This meant that, so far, things seemed to be going better for the Byzantines in the east than in the west, where the Pechenegs had occupied most of Bulgaria. But in the late 1050s, the situation became radically worse for the Byzantines. The reason was that in 1057, Tugrul led the bulk of his Turkmen followers north to Armenia and Georgia to divert them from causing trouble in Iraq. Because of this, more and more Turkmen started to mass on the Byzantine borders. Turkish raids into Byzantine Armenia intensified from 1057 onwards, in spite of the official Byzantine-Seljuk peace treaty, as Tugril cast a blind eye on the Turkmen depredations. 
Unfortunately for the Byzantines, this also happened at just the same time as a short civil war in 1057 when Isaac Comnenus was proclaimed emperor. The problem was that the Anatolian nobles stripped the east of troops in order to advance on Constantinople, in particular the able general Catacolon Kekemonos was a central figure in the uprising and took away his troops who had been successfully defending Armenia. The result was disastrous. Turkish war bands poured through the open countryside and this time their attacks took on a new dimension. They bypassed the Armenian strongholds of Ani and Mansikert and invaded the eastern rim of Byzantine Anatolia. For the first time, Greek-speaking Byzantine cities were sacked. In 1057, Colonea was laid waste. In 1058, Melitine, one of the largest Byzantine cities in eastern Anatolia, was devastated. In 1059, it was the turn of Sebastea, a particularly wealthy city and religiously significant since it was the location of a famous shrine of the Forty Martyrs, the Seljuk Emir Samu, acting independently of Tugrul and probably against his wishes, arrived to find that the city was not protected by walls. The Turks hesitated, unable to believe this, and initially mistook the many domes of churches in the city for the tents of a defending army. When they realised their mistake, they attacked with particular ferocity, massacring its citizens and taking the rest prisoner. They stayed in the area for eight days and reduced the entire city to ashes. The war in the east had entered a new and terrifying phase. Isaac Komnenus, the new emperor, wanted to confront the Turks, but he was prevented from sending large-scale reinforcements to the east by the outbreak of yet another war with the Pechenegs in the west. Then his early abdication due to ill health in 1059 put an end to any hopes for the resolute military action that was needed in the east. In spite of this, Constantine the tenth, the first of the Ducas emperors, did send some troops back to the east to stem the Turkmen assaults. Although the surviving records are thin, there is mention that the Byzantines defeated one of the Turkish war bands, killing its leader. By the early 1060s, the Byzantine forces in the east had been strengthened to some extent with Frankish and Norman cavalry who at least prevented a complete collapse of the frontier. Nevertheless, it was now clear in that the war in the east was starting to pose a serious threat. As the Byzantines dithered under the ineffective leadership of Constantine X, the Seljuk Turks were getting stronger. In 1064, Alp Arslan succeeded Tugril as sultan. Previously, the Seljuk Empire had been divided into two parts, but now Alp Arslan, already ruler of the eastern half of the Seljuk Empire, united both east and west into a vast single block stretching from India to Syria. Like Tugril, Alp Arslan was a formidable leader, respected by the Turkmen and renowned for his archery skills, 
Quote, they say that his arrow never went astray, end of quote. Worryingly for the Byzantines, within months of his accession, he led an army of Turkmen north into Byzantine Armenia. But a major war with Byzantium was not his real intention. Instead, his concerns were essentially the same as those of Tugril, keeping the Turkmen loyal and driving the Fatimids out of Syria. Byzantine Armenia remained just a convenient diversion for the Turkmen. Indeed, Alparslan's advance into Armenia was a show of strength designed to impress the Turkmen, not the Byzantines. However, his actions had unintended consequences that would ultimately ignite a full-scale war with Byzantium. At least initially, the blame for this can be attributed to a man called Pangratias, who was the Byzantine governor of the city of Ani, the capital of Byzantine Armenia. According to contemporary sources, he was in reality little more than a criminal, only interested in extorting tax revenues for his own use rather than defending the city. But he had won the Emperor Constantine X's approval by promising to pay him higher taxes, which he did do, but by reducing the city's defences to the bare minimum. Nevertheless, Annie was not just a wealthy trading centre, but it was also protected by very strong fortifications, the best in Armenia, and these should have been able to hold out against the Turks. Indeed, Alp Arslan didn't even intend to attack it. This only happened because, as he was passing peacefully along the Armenian border, the incompetent and greedy Pangratius ambushed the Seljuk rearguard in the hope of picking up some easy booty. A large number of Turks were killed, which enraged Alp Arslan. He immediately laid siege to the city. Having lost all confidence in Pangratius's ability to resist the Seljuks, a group of its citizens attempted to flee, but when they opened the gates, the Turks stormed in. The extent of the slaughter was particularly horrific. Quote, the Seljuks took the city by storm, and the slaughter of those inside was beyond telling, for no mercy was shown on account of age, sex, or creed. All were killed from the young and up, and a river of blood flowed through this pitiable and unhappy city. End of quote. While the sack of this Christian city helped Alparslan to promote himself as the defender of Islam, he still didn't want a full-scale war with Byzantium. After taking Ani, he turned back east to the Caucasus to suppress some rebellious Turkmen who had rejected Seljuk rule. Having done that, he withdrew back to Baghdad. But even if the Seljuk Sultan himself didn't want to invade Byzantium, the Turkmen did. Byzantine Armenia was now almost completely in their hands, and this meant that in the 1060s, growing numbers of Turkmen were focused on one thing, raiding and plundering the rich cities of Byzantine Anatolia. There was one Turkish emir who epitomised this perfectly, called Afsin, 
He established a base in Armenia at Mount Amanaeus and gathered a large warband, probably several thousand strong. He invaded Byzantine Anatolia routinely in 1066 and 1067, taking advantage of the weakness in the Byzantine defences. His actions were in direct contravention of Alparslan's orders not to provoke the Byzantines into a retaliatory war. Indeed, he was actually under a death sentence from Alparslan for his unruly behaviour, which had involved killing one of the Sultan's most trusted commanders. But this did nothing to stop him. In 1067, he routed the demoralised Byzantine border troops near Melitene. Quote, the Turks who stood on the banks of the Euphrates kept shooting at the Romans, causing many casualties and forcing them to turn and run. In this flight, a large number of Romans fell, while others were taken captive. End of quote. He and his Turkmen travelled a spectacular distance, hundreds of miles, right into the heartland of the empire to sack the great city of Caesarea. As described in the first chapter, the sack of Caesarea was a step too far for the Byzantines. It ignited outrage in Constantinople, paving the way for Romanus's astonishing elevation to emperor. The scene was now set for a whole new chapter in the war in the East. And that ends this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, it would be amazing to leave a rating. Thank you so much. In the next episode, things really start to hot up as the new emperor Romanus Diogenes puts the Byzantine Empire onto a proper war footing and gathers a new army to go and defeat the Turks.